This lesson is part two of what we learned last week, and what we discussed last week is our relationship with the saints and how Jesus himself placed the spiritual family, God's family, above the physical family. And that family, this church family, is knit together in love. Beautiful picture when you read through Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. A beautiful, beautiful picture of the church being together and studying together and praising the Lord God daily, taking communion together, having meals together, 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 together. It was a wonderful picture of the Lord's church in Acts 2. And that is the ideal. That's what we uphold. That's what we look to. That's what we want to emulate. And so we strive to stay knit together in love. And there is an entire book that's dedicated to showing us that that takes work. So this lesson is part two, and it's just kind of a, as we think about the ideal church, and we hold it up, and we love that picture of God's people working together and loving each other, being one. We also realize that there is a reality check that we need to uh, put in our minds to know that sometimes things are difficult and we have to work. And so our relationship with the saints, today as we look and consider the book of 1 Corinthians, we realize that there, with the idea of being knit together in love, is that one of the things about love is that it involves commitment. God's kind of love was demonstrated on the cross when he gave his life for our sins, us rebellious people. He loved us in spite of our sins. So it's a commitment is there. There is work that there is there. There is forgiveness. There is bearing with one another. And we have to keep all of those things in mind. So a little bit of a survey, not even a, a complete survey whatsoever of the problems that they have in Corinth, I just want to highlight some of these things to get us in our minds to understand how we can remedy some of the issues that pop up in the church. That will happen with any physical family. There are issues that arise, matters that arrive, and in God's kingdom, in his church. As we all look to Jesus as our king, and we strive to serve him, sometimes there will be issues that we have to deal with. Problems among the saints. So look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, just to introduce this, I want to point out verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. And here is this picture of a church that is united and is one. To the church of God which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful introduction, just calling the church, hey, you guys are the saints, you are the ones who are separate from the world, and you are the ones who are in Christ. You are together, united together in Christ. Those are the ones I'm talking to. You people in Corinth, you people in Covington, you are the saints. 
Now skip on down to verse number 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So pause here and just consider this. There are divisions in the Lord's church. The family, the saints, been called out, separated from the people of the world, and they're united in Christ, and instead of being so perfectly united in Christ, being of one mind, one thought, there are divisions. So there have been some people, there, and it's interesting, some some from the some of some of Chloe's people. So there is some, there are some informants involved here. Somebody has come to Paul and says, "Oh man, you need to you need to get to to Corinth. You need to do something with Corinth. The church is in trouble. There are divisions. There's somebody who's very aware. I assume they've probably tried to stop the divisions and been unsuccessful, but they have come to Paul and they have informed him there are quarrels." Hate to tell you to bring you bad news, Paul, but there are quarrels. So Paul, Paul writes a, a letter back to the church. Hey, you guys, it's so good to talk to you. It's wonderful what Christ is doing into you. I'm so thankful for you, um, but there are troubles. I've got something bad to report. There's been a bad report about you guys, and you are divided. So this is divisions. There are quarrels going on. There's some... Something that's bringing up uh, the, the cause of people dividing amongst themselves that they're following different people, following Paul, following Peter, they're following Apollos probably, they're following, some are claiming to follow Christ. you got these different groups within the family. Just ought not to be that way. There are issues and problems. In this book, I kind of think all of all of 1 Corinthians is just dealing simply with divisions and how to remedy these divisions, how to how to bring the church back together so that they can be complete, put together at peace with one another. Remember that's what we're talking about. And verse number 10 actually mentions this idea that you be made complete, that wholeness that's needed. That's Shalom that we talk about. Peace. We want to be at peace with everyone. Remember we started in Romans. Live at peace with everyone. Be at peace with God. And God wants you to be at peace with all men. And certainly in the Lord's church, we should be at peace with each other. Remember last week we considered uh, uh, John uh, chapter 17 and verses 20 and 21. And we'll be close to there today, but that idea that there was importance for the church to be one. Everybody who believed in the teaching of the apostles, may they all be one, Father, as you and I are one, so that the world may believe. 
The called out, they're separated from the world and they're to be united and be one in Christ Jesus so that the world can see us and say, wow, this Jesus thing must be real. So unity is important. Wholeness is important. There again, it's the ideal image and the, the, the image that's put forth that this is what we must be. And divisions will try and spur up and come, but how do we remedy that? How do we stay of one mind, of one thought? How do we stay united in Christ? This entire letter is very much a letter towards everything in it is like, this is how you stay together. This is how you deal with problems. And one of the things that is presented here, I believe, in my, this is a little bit of my words, and it's kind of this whole, I think it's a summary of the whole book, but to humbly... The, the remedy, letter B under number one. Humble acceptance of the message of the cross. Humble acceptance of the message of the cross. Keep the cross central. Keep Jesus central. And man, when we, and is it any surprise that this book talks to us and reminds us of the Lord's Supper? This is central. This is why we come together. Acts chapter 20, verse Verse number 7, on the first day of the week, when we came together to break bread. We come together to remember Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. And so we, we remember the cross of Christ. We gather here humbly together, united in this fact that we unworthy ones were died for. God gave His life for us. And we are the ones who say yes to Jesus because of what he did for us. And we are united in Christ. So a humble acceptance of the message of the cross. Look at verse 18. And the indication, by the way, you know, when it talks about, because Paul goes on, he's, you know, when he, when he said in verse 13, has been, Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer to that is no. Who were you baptized? Into, into what name were you guys baptized? We're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is the one who unites us. Verse 18. 18 and 19. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. We are united in what the world looks at as foolishness. What was the foolishness? God came down, and to show his great and wonderful power, he died? Ah, boy, you can have that God. That's not very, uh, I, I don't want a God who dies. I want a God who lives. Well, we know the end. Other people don't. They think it's foolishness. They don't know the end. We're united in this message of the cross that Jesus, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, the Word, became flesh, dwelled among us. He gave His life for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We are united 
in that. We humbly accept that message. We don't call it foolishness. We humbly accept the fact that Jesus died for us. On to chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. And again, it's this talk of, you know, I, I think somehow these people thought, you know, these people who were following Paul or following Apollos or following Cephas, those names are mentioned in chapter 3, I believe. So they thought they had some wisdom. But by following their own wisdom, they were putting aside the message of the cross. They were putting aside Christ. And here is the reminder. Chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by doing, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus. Hear that? That's the thing. It's his doing. When did he do it? Pointing at the table here. He did it at the cross. He died for us. He gave his life for us. By his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Don't think you're smart, and that you know something that somebody else doesn't, and your way is the right way. Come to the cross. Kneel at the cross. Let us all be united in the message of the cross. Let us be humbled. Let us not boast. Let us be humbled and accept the message of the cross. I do want to note that in, chapter, in verse number 30 there, it mentions righteousness. Then it says, and sanctification. This sanctification is an important part of us staying united. The remedy for us being divided is that we remain sanctified. And how do we remain sanctified? So another part of this remedy is sanctification. Be sanctified in the truth. So divisions and quarrels come, but the remedy is for us to humbly accept the message of the cross and to be sanctified in the truth. Sanctified in the truth. Set apart in the truth. If you want to be a saint, then the truth is vital. It's not just something where you uh, take one little part and throw the rest away. It's the truth. Be sanctified in the truth. Uh, so John chapter, chapter 17 and verse number 17. Jesus, in his prayer to God, speaking of his apostles, really the, well, I'll say at this point, he was really speaking of the 11 apostles. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the word of God is what sets us apart. And the problem with that church in Corinth is that they had been set apart from the world, united in Christ, and then they started, instead of being sanctified in the truth, God's word, they started kind of coming up with their own word. 
But we believe this. We believe this. Now let's focus on the truth that was delivered by the apostles. Verse number 20 in John 17 is important. This is connecting the apostles to us. The teaching the word of God coming to us only happens through the apostles. Verse number 20 of John 17. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Now Paul, he's speaking there of the apostles, isn't he? Not just these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So the apostles received the teaching of Christ. They spent three years with him learning and learning and learning, growing in the knowledge of God. And then Jesus said, hey guys, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter, who's going to remind you of everything that I taught you. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. He's going to help you. Powerful, wonderful, trustworthy way. And then before he left, he said, go now therefore into all the world and proclaim the message. And they did that. And we've received this message. So we, if we follow this message in its entirety, we stay focused on it, focused on Christ, focused on the truth, staying humble, not thinking we're wise and we got some special way, that is how we are going to remain knit together in love. And it's work. It's not easy. We come up with ideas and we think we're brilliant. We've got to remind ourselves, stay humble in Christ. He died for all of us. We weren't special before he called us. We weren't a bunch of wise people. We're just sinners. Saved by grace, saved by the blood of Jesus. And so we're going to stay humble, focus on Christ, focus on his truth, and stay knit together in love. So problems come in the church. This church had a lot of problems. Divisions and quarrels. A lot in in this book all the way through about what he starts off talking about in chapter 1. But the remedy, humble acceptance of the cross of Jesus, the message of Jesus and being sanctified in the truth, set apart in the truth. So another thing that came along that caused problems among the saints, among God's family, was sin. Sin. And we all acknowledge that we fall short, we still sin, we're not perfect. As we strive to be sanctified by the truth, we still have issues. But when somebody comes along in a church and starts sinning and and doesn't acknowledge the sin and says, oh, I'm fine, and actually starts saying, hey, look what I'm doing. And you're like, that's sinful. Then it should stop, right? Well, look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. There is some sexual immorality. The word in the translation I have when it says immorality it's a specific it's sexual sin that's taking place here remember the whole whole God's plan is one man one woman for life anything outside of that is sin aside from death and being released from a marriage so verse number chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 it is actually reported that there is immorality among you 
and immorality of such a kind as exists as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be, would be removed from your midst. So probably this is a stepmother with a stepchild, that situation. He has his father's wife. And they're in a relationship together. This is not good at all. Sin has come into the midst of the family. And verse number two is such a strange thing, isn't it? He says, you have become arrogant. It's like they were saying, this is, this, it, it isn't, not that we're just going to turn our heads away, but they're, Kind of celebrating this. Look, this is, this is acceptable now. Isn't this such a great thing? It's almost as if people with the old law, they were, um, you know, it's, it's almost like food laws. Hey, in the Old Testament, you couldn't eat shrimp. But now, look, we could eat shrimp and they're celebrating in it. And they're somehow saying that the new law of Christ has brought them some kind of freedom. And this idea kind of plays through other issues. And I mentioned Christian freedom down in point number four. It seems like they're kind of twisting the scriptures around and making the scriptures and the grace of God allow for sin. There are other places in scripture that deal with this kind of thought. But they weren't embarrassed by that they weren't mourning the fact that there was sexual immorality taking place instead they had become arrogant they were not sanctified in truth they were falling away from following the truth of god perhaps they were taking the message of the cross saying christ has died and set us free no he hasn't set us free to sin we need to kind of keep our heads on straight the remedy for sin in the church, in the family, is that somebody would be removed from the midst of the family. Judgment should take place in accordance with the truth. And there are other places that kind of talk about church discipline. What should have happened in this church is that the first person to become aware of the situation, they should have gone to that person or the people alone and said, what you're doing is not right. If he doesn't respond, then you take another witness, two from the church. Somebody else who is aware of the situation, go and help fix the problem. And then if that doesn't work, then the whole church is to be involved and to make a judgment and to tell this person you need to repent. You need to stop what is going on and come back to Christ. Stop sinning. Verse number In chapter 5, verse number 3, he says, and Paul writes, For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that in his spirit 
so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus. So here's this idea of delivering somebody to Satan. It's telling them you're not welcome in the church. And there is much to talk about with this. It opens, well, how does this happen? You know, how do, what if somebody shows back up after you discipline them and say, what you're doing is wrong, you are not welcome here, you are removed from our midst, what if they come back? So that's a whole other topic. But the point is this, is that judgment needs to be made, and if there is sin in the church, it needs to be addressed. And the end result should be such, and we hope that such, that on the day of Christ Jesus, that person will be saved. If you let the person go on sinning throughout their life, they're lost. They've fallen away from Christ. We don't want that to happen. If we love, we will discipline. So the remedy for sin is judgment in accordance with the truth. The judgment pertaining to sin, that needs to be a correct judgment. Is that person actually sinning? That needs to be a correct judgment. But then also how you address that sin, you know, one person, then two people, then the whole church, and then how you work together to carry it out so that you honor that person as a believer and you warn them as a brother, but that you don't even welcome such a one into your home. You don't even sit down and eat with them. There's a lot that goes on with this. Scripture talks about it in quite a few places. But the judgment must be made. Sin can't be accepted. If we love one another, if we want us all to go to heaven, we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to be our brothers and sisters in Christ for eternity, then we will address sin. That's the loving thing to do. Divisions and quarrels come up. The remedy is a humble acceptance of the message of the cross and to be sanctified in the truth. When sin comes along, the remedy is to make judgment in accordance with with the truth. There are other things here. Disagreements. We can handle our disagreements. There's also there's kind of this acknowledgement that disagreements come. That happens in chapter 6. And the remedy is to trust the saints. You can read chapter 6. Chapter, uh, point number four is that Christian freedoms can be abused and people can take scriptures and kind of twist it and make it sound in, like it's allowing something that ought not be allowed. And, uh, and if it's hurting somebody else, hurting another believer, we can't continue in that. But we've got to glorify God in our body and not allow sin to prevail. Point number five is that differences in the church were not embraced. Um, if there's any point that I'm just tossing these verses, these points out here because it is time to end. If there was anyone that I really wanted to go into more, and we probably will be doing it later on, is the idea of our giftedness and who we are in Christ. We're all different. We're all different parts of the body of Christ. And we have to honor that, those differences and honor one another. The remedy is given in chapter 12, verses 22 through 25, and at the end there in verse 25, chapter 12, the remedy is that we all give each other the same honor so, and the same care for one another. 
So the point today, and I think this is such a vital, division, when division is present in a church, then the world looks and says, ah, this Christ thing, this Jesus thing, I don't know if I believe it. They can't even agree with one another. And it's hard for us to agree. It's unity is difficult. So we have to stay very focused on Christ and his truth. And when any division springs up, and there will be disputes and discussions and matters that arise, we work on them together. And we do so with love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is, the no, is known as the chapter about love. And this is the love that God has for us. This is the love that we must have. So if you want to know how to get along with the church, how to get along with your brothers and sisters in, in Christ, then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and learn. So we stay focused on Jesus Focused on his truth and be united together, knit together in love. And it is work in the body of Christ. We acknowledge that, but we will always be dedicated to it. If there's anybody here today who is not in Christ, you're not in the church, you haven't been sanctified, set apart in Christ, we invite you to be one with us as we strive to together to be one, united in Jesus, set apart for him. We encourage you to give your life to Jesus. Today is the day that you can enjoy salvation and be added to the church. If there's anybody who needs to respond, won't you please come as we stand together and sing.